0: Welcome to the Fireman Trainers Podcast, part of ConcealedCarry.com Network. This is Season 5, Episode 11, published on May sixteenth, 2023. This episode will be talking about what every merchant hates, and that is credit card chargebacks. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back and relax for an informative podcast this week on credit card chargebacks. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Farm Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Palm Pepper Spray. Palm has been an innovator in pepper spray technologies for several generations and continues to deliver the best formula in the best delivery system. Palm sells inert, water filled units for instructors to utilize in training scenarios to help students understand the delivery system and train for those defensive scenarios. Palm is available in belt clip, keychain, and snap quick release systems. Palm is the smallest half ounce personal carry unit available on the market. Palm's flip top dispensing system raises the standard for performance and safety with the strongest legal formula in 10 seconds of continuous spray or 20 half second burst. Learn more and buy your unit at palmpepperspray.com. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Graham, Paul, and Adam from Elite Merchant Solutions. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for taking time with your expertise to share with our audience.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Rob.
0: Thanks for having us. Paul and Adam, you've been on before. Um, Graham, Graham hasn't. But can you give us a little bit of your background and then we'll have graham do a little bit about what he does at elite merchant solutions
1: absolutely so myself well i'm actually one of the partner owners of elite merchant solutions we've been in business for over 20 22 years now and uh serving uh, pretty much all the communities specializing in the 2a and we have multiple um relationships out there and uh, we're we're happy to be on your show again rob and uh I'll let Adam and then kind of Graham introduce himself as well. Yes,
2: sir. So um my role is uh running the sales crew over here. Um title of director of sales, been in the industry um off and on for quite some time. Um, but as I mentioned before, big proponent on uh, uh firearms and, and the goodness of what they can do. And um, you know, we're excited to be able to incorporate that with our day-to-day and people we
3: work with okay and graham um i've been here for um, almost 15 years now year 15 um i handle all the back-end operations and then find the solutions that will work best for everyone so we can all do business together i mean in the end it's um i was going to say something cheesy like i make dreams happen i don't um i just (laughs) i I fix problems
0: (laughs) Operations kind of like that, you know, I've yeah. I found that out in the, anywhere you say operations. That's what the that's what they yep. deal with.
1: What, he's solution oriented. We call him the Oracle yeah. at the office. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the last time we, we had you guys on, we were talking about having um you know, having a 2A proponent as your credit card processor, because credit card processing becomes so critical for uh, any business at all uh, anymore, But now we want to go along, want to talk about a little bit more, because I think one of the things where, whenever I hear about credit cards, from a vendor perspective, think about chargebacks. And that's one of those things to where, you know, that's kind of dangerous for a small business, because if you're looking at sales going up by 10%, you could, if you don't handle yourself properly, you could lose 20% of sales simply by chargebacks because of how you handle them, or you don't verify them properly, those types of things. So I guess my first question to make sure that we're all on the same page and our listeners know what a chargeback is, can you tell tell us what a chargeback is when we're talking about credit cards? Yeah,
3: um, Yeah, uh, chargeback is simply a dispute by the cardholder, um, but it's more it's more than that. It's a dispute by the cardholder that their bank, the the bank that issued the credit card, accepts. So in order to do a chargeback, um, I have to call my bank and say I don't know this card, I don't know the charge, this wasn't me, I swear. And then the bank's going to take a look at it. They're going to send documentation out to the merchant's processing bank, not the merchant. The merchant is pretty hands-off for the first third of the process. Uh, They'll send information over. There'll be an exchange of documentation. And then the issuing bank, my bank that holds my credit card, will decide, okay, this is either legit, we'll go ahead and file the dispute, or you you really, sometimes you just have to pay for things. That's just how it works. And no, we're not going to accept it. So the chargeback in... In itself is the dispute of the cardholder saying that this isn't me
0: or I didn't like this or it didn't work right. Mm -hmm. Does the consumer always win for chargebacks?
3: No. Um, So to be clear, chargebacks are definitely set up for the consumer to win almost every time because the issuing bank is the one pursuing it. And their their consumer, their client is the cardholder. That being said, the merchants do have people on their end as well. Um, we would, in our case, it would be us. Uh, so no, uh, consumers don't always win. The merchants always have a fighting chance. There are some situations where, of course, they don't because they were absolutely in the wrong. They not only sold it and then threw it on the ground when they got the parking lot, they went and set it on fire just for fun. Uh, so that'd be a legitimate dispute. But it's for services rendered for things like that. There are methods of disputing that and saying no um, service was provided. The cardholder is absolutely wrong. Uh, this is just an out and out lie. This is, we should have this money, please give it back.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about some of the reasons why that why they happen there. Um, are there other ones uh, besides somebody just going out in the parking lot and burning, burning something to the ground?
3: <laughs> see, you see, now that's, uh, that's uh, my default. That's <laughs> the uh, I always, you know, we're going to go to setting on fire, kicking things or, you know, whatever worst case scenario. But the most often chargebacks are because the cardholder simply didn't recognize the name on it. It's simply, I don't remember this place. I don't recall doing business with them. I'm pretty sure I never bought this. A lot of it is oftentimes just mistaken, not mistaken identity, but not recognizing or not remembering or, oh, crap, Uh, my wife saw this. I wasn't supposed to buy this anymore. Um, Or I told her I was going to stop by and I didn't really need to buy more ammo after all, but... Here we are anyway. And uh maybe I'll just have it shipped to my offices instead. No one will notice, but the card credit card bill goes to the house, and she definitely saw it. So it's, <laughs> it's usually the reasons are more benign.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, um when it when it goes along and and has something like this, what are the best practices for small merchants to go along and be able to go along and have a fighting chance? I mean, you said, you know, the Consumer doesn't always win, but at the same time, it sounds like it's heavily favored in the consumer side of things because that's the card issuer's uh, customer. But at the same time, being a firearm instructor, a gun shop, something along those lines, what are some of the things that can be done in order to make a better uh, chance of, you know, substantiating whatever whatever the uh, dispute is?
3: So in a face-to-face environment, the best advice is always know your customer. So you're more than likely, especially in a smaller area, you're going to know who your customers are. You're going to know you're going to be dealing with them more than once. Uh, a one-off customer you've never seen before might be a little bit more suspicious. Who might want to be so Mastercard to tell you you shouldn't ask for the ID. I would tell you do ask for the ID. If you don't recognize them, you don't you don't trust your gut feeling on this one. Ask for some more information. Get the additional information required. Um, I have one account. They're a rental place. They take a picture of the ID every time. I don't know that I would go that far. Um, I card brand rules say I shouldn't tell you to go that far. I, they, it happens, but it's knowing knowing your customer is the biggest thing in a face to face environment. When you are not dealing with person in person, <laughs> um, if it's over the phone, over the internet, it's the biggest thing is making sure that the billing address and the shipping address are the same. That's uh, more often than not, a lot of the online fraud, a lot of the not present fraud is because you ship to somewhere that you didn't bill. Um, There are certainly examples, a corporate card or something like that, where your billing address is going to be a P.O. box in Nebraska or New York or what have you, and you're shipping to the location that's in Minnesota. There are certainly examples, but more often than not, shipping to the billing address is the way to go. And that's how you're going to protect yourself in those kind of situations, as opposed to um guy found this information online through in the billing information because it matches the card that they're borrowing and had it shipped to their house instead
0: how long can somebody charge back a credit card charge that they quote unquote don't recognize
3: it's depending on the situation the usual is 90 days some banks in the right situation go up to 180 days i personally did a charge back and it was pushed in a year because the product never shipped uh, so if the product's never shipped if the merchant hasn't completed their end of the deal there is a way to go out longer uh, but typically we're looking at 90 days
0: mm-hmm. if somebody does try to go along and scam you and the credit card processor goes along and says you know there there's just not enough evidence to convince us that you're in the right and they charge you back anyway is there any legal recourse that somebody can go along and say you know if, if it's a couple thousand dollars that they order, you know, guns or something along those lines.
3: So in this situation, we're looking at two different things. Um, you're you can do a claim against your business insurance, but business insurance more often than not going to want a police report or some claim that this was stolen from you. And unfortunately, that is more often not the way you have to go. You have to treat it as a crime. At that point, you were stolen from there. A crime did occur occurring you need to go through the legal system for that your insurance is more than likely not going to even consider reimbursing you or getting involved without having that um the legal paperwork filed on behalf of the the criminal action you Mm -hmm. could try to do it civilly but if you're in a fraud situation you don't know who you're actually trying to sue if the you know the If my grandmother had her card stolen and it was shipped to a guy in Baltimore, you're going to be left suing my grandmother because you don't actually know who the guy in Baltimore is. So at that point, it is definitely going to be uh, a criminal action more so than a civil action.
0: Mm -hmm. And then for most uh, police departments, uh, you know, unless you make it, you know, over a thousand dollars, it's probably going to be, you know, petty crime for the most part, too. So it's not going to be a a priority from their standpoint.
3: Unfortunately, no, I've run into a couple of situations, um, even outside of fire. Well, I'm usually outside of firearms. The last one was a home improvement place in Arizona. Uh, They had the actual an actual person from the contractor show up. The contractor disputed the charge. They had to go after the person who picked it up and they weren't even in state. And in the end, the police department decided it really wasn't worth their time and effort to track down someone in California when they're sitting in Tucson, Arizona. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: let me throw in throw hypothetical, or I should say somewhat hypothetical out there, because I know some of these, uh, these facts I shared with you before. But um, mm-hmm. for our listeners, um, I'm familiar with a gun shop who had several guns ordered across the web, and they got them in. They shipped them to a dealer in the person's state. And then they picked them up, and then they disputed the uh, charge afterwards uh, for it. it, What I would say would be very common for people to find the gun they want online and then order it. And for the delivery to go through, they have to go to another FFL dealer at local uh, state for it. In that that case, what would be... The steps that a local small merchant like you know a two-person gun shop could do to try to avoid a chargeback uh, in those kind of situations do you have any suggestions for that
3: <laughs> so that one's difficult so the scenario you offered um not well not a scenario with the actual case that occurred they used a card that didn't seem to be in their name um mm-hmm. or at least had part of their name that one would be difficult to combat from a preventative measure so it's you've got a card that you didn't lines up with most of their name if the whole first name is blocked out it's would be hard to say that this isn't me that the situation you described is is difficult it's, there's no question about it it's absolutely difficult because even pulling the id on the cardholder on the on the consumer is going to show that everything lines up you could even have a name on the card with a reprinted card number or a reprinted chip Chip makes it harder, honestly, with the chips. But even with the name, that would still be a difficult situation. I'm still trying to think of a solution for that, um, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm struggling at the moment, honestly. So, yeah.
2: so Rob, I, you know, from the consumer side, for me buying uh, and purchasing online, um, there's some e-commerce sites I know that will not process a transaction right away. They will do some of their due diligence and make sure things are matched up even furthermore they will want an email from you from the FFL stating that everything is is legit and good to go. Um, you know you're taking extra steps there and that's more resources, more time, more money to to wait on a transaction because typically a small merchant online, oh wow, I just sold you know two grand worth of firearms. They're excited And they might not be doing their due diligence to make sure that everything lines up. Mm -hmm. So there are um, FFLs out there that take extra steps. And that's what I would encourage specifically for, you know, this type of merging.
0: And the one thing I know, you know, that this gun shop uh, found out was a, you know, uh, they contact the ATF because it was interstate crime and the atf wasn't worried about it because they considered it a uh, credit card fraud but then at the same time the local police being in a small town looked at it and it's like okay you know we're not going to we don't have the resources to go to another right. state in order to you know investigate this so it was basically claiming against your insurance and hopefully you don't have too high of a high of a deductible for that kind of stuff
2: yeah that's pretty wild mm-hmm crazy.
0: yeah and i I I would venture to say there's probably are some uh, listeners out there that have gun shops or instructors and such where people have uh, done some egregious things, um, you know, similar to taking a class and then charging back, you know, because they didn't like the class or something else like that. And then, you know, just like you were saying, Adam, you've got to go through and you got to fight it and say, no, they really did show up, you know, here's pictures, here's this, here's that. And, you know, what happens if somebody just, you know, says a bald face lie? Like, no, that's not my picture. You know, something like that. I mean, you're kind of stuck at it. And again, a couple hundred dollar class or, you know, a five hundred dollar gun, there's only so much time that you can put into that before you're gonna go along and say this isn't even worth my time.
1: Yeah. No, that's true, Rob. I mean, really no provider could ever tell you there's a, a shield that can protect from chargeback. Um, you know, a criminal, you know, they're they're constantly figuring out ways and, and 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 ways to do it. We try to mitigate that and, and we do our best to be at like a 999 percent. But there's always that that one percent, I mean less than one percent, like they're they're gonna get through. I mean, whether you're a retail store, you're online, it's just it's unfortunate that these guys will find a loophole. And then what we found also sometimes there's people on the inside that are in on the on the take, not every time, but like when you're dealing with some bigger transactions, there's some inside in you know, insider information going on down there too as well. But Um, We definitely put our best foot forward for our clients to ensure. And that's kind of one of the processes that um, we were discussing earlier. Like what makes us a little bit different is when we board our merchants, when we do our underwriting, we look at kind of like their policies, right? And see if there's any areas we can strengthen some of their, like when they're shipping and tell them like, don't ever ship to a different address, you know, ship it to where the card or billing address goes to. Anytime you go outside there, you are exposing yourself to a chargeback like they said they never received the product most likely it could be fraud um so we try to look at areas that we can help our merchants um, figure out ways to protect them to the best that we can to the best that we can to protect mm-hmm. them against these fraudsters yeah,
0: the thing i guess everybody's got to realize that if you're 99.99% um good you're still you know and you make $100,000 a year gross sales for your small business that's still $1,000 that you're going to lose and you know, yeah I, that can be a little painful but at, the, but at the same time there's a certain cost of doing business just like you know putting toilet paper into the you know community bathroom type of thing if you're going to have a shop you've got to spend money on toilet paper even if people waste it type of thing
1: no it's true and, and so for us you know when we're trying to help the merchant win because we're essentially a partner in the credit card processing world so if they lose, we lose, right? Because we're all tied in to making money. We want the transactions to flow. So we always want our client to win. And so what we also do is we have our own chargeback department Graham overseas with a team and we review the documentation. So when a chargeback actually happens, a notification is sent out. It's either sent out to you via email or mail. And most of the time, it's it's lost. So with, with our team, we receive the notification as well. And we send it to the client and we also call them. And ask if they have if they need any assistance to respond to the chargeback, and then we offer our services to help them respond. And we'll review the package, and we will help submit that package to them to ensure that everything looks to be correct. Um, to you know, to win the case, right? Because we know there are people who are out there just opportunists, just trying to take advantage of situations.
0: Mm-hmm. Question for you, and and this is probably from personal experience. I don't think I've rarely sign a credit card receipt anymore i mean most of the time it's card in the car, a credit card reader and you know the receipt comes out and, and i'll walk on is does that make it any more difficult to go along and uh, prove prove a case one way or the other
1: well well you said the you said the magic word: the card goes in the reader right mm-hmm. and that's what kind of grandma alluded earlier um when you have card not present versus card present so today every credit card now has that little metal chip it's called emv mm-hmm. right and so once you did that chip that like guarantees that you actually are the rightful owner of the card. Now, you could steal a credit card and the chargebacks are harder. They actually put the chargebacks on the actual merchant to protect themselves against it. But really, the, the, that chip is like no one else can duplicate your card. So that was the the one piece that really helped protect consumers and protect merchants against these fraudulent transactions i don't know if you guys want to add a little more to that grammar adam but well, i mean that was a big piece there yeah and so rob there's some um ffl i mean there's all types
2: of merchants that don't have that capability to accept for card present transactions to have what we call the dip the chip that in itself is your you're you're exposed for chargebacks because you if you don't have that capability which surprisingly some don't um you if someone Goes through the chargeback phase, you automatically lose because you don't have uh, an EMV solution um, for them to, for your customers or patrons to use. So um, that's another thing that we look at. If we're bringing someone on board and they say, Oh, I have this piece of equipment and it's outdated and doesn't allow them to, or their customers to use a chip. We're not going to say we're, we're not using that, you know, Mr. Merchant. We're going to get you something new because. You're not compliant and if you do have a chargeback you're going to lose automatically because that's going to be the first question that they ask is what are you using the process with and if it's outdated automatic boom you you, you lost that one so that's part of the proactive side as well
0: yeah that's that's really good um something that popped in my mind uh when it comes to timeline Somebody goes long, they charge something on a credit card, and within a couple of days, you are going long and getting that cash put into your bank account. What happens with a chargeback? Do they go into your bank account to withdraw that money? Or how how do, do they get that chargeback uh back from you from the merchant?
3: So let uh,
1: Graham, let Graham take that question.
0: Yeah. So as soon as the
3: as soon as the chargeback is accepted by the issuing bank the money is pulled out from the merchant bank account and sent essentially to an escrow account until the, there is a resolution to the chargeback case.
0: So if that takes 30 days, it's not too bad, but you could potentially have, you know, several thousand dollars hung up in a escrow account for a couple months, you know, use the example, um, you know, well, how long does, how long does it take for a chargeback to be resolved? Is there a maximum time limit for, for chargeback uh, resolution?
3: Chargebacks do have an expiration. You're typically looking at 30 days from when the issue is, you know, the notice is filed. So, once the notice is filed, if you're receiving things by mail, then you might get it by, you know, and have two days left to respond. Uh, if we're sending it to you, we're sending it to you within a day or two of being noticed because the banks also take the time in loading up the letter. Once we have that letter, it gets shot out and you can respond almost immediately. If you win the chargeback or if it's ruled in your favor, You'll get the money back as soon as they press the button and say, this is on the issuing bank. It's not on the merchant anymore. And then the money will be released. Could the cardholder then dispute that finding? Yes. And sometimes they do. They'll try to dispute it a second time. And then we do it again. And then a third time they could. And then it happens again. But each time if the merchant is winning, they get the money back And so, the cardholder decides they want to file it again. They do have a, a much shorter timeline on, you know, disputing the results and then ultimately after the third time it, the card brands step in and decide that they're going to rule one way or the other does it ever get to the point that it goes to uh court with with chargebacks no the ultimate on chargebacks is arbitration okay uh, once it goes to arbitration that's the end all be all of that then it, if you're going to go to court it's not done through the card brands it's not done through the chargeback system it's done through the civil system
0: okay so as long as you go along and do proper protection like shipping to the built to address and different things along those lines. Um, you know, you've got somebody looking looking after your back at least to helping you get uh to resolve those chargebacks and you're not gonna end up in court having to, you know, explain your case to Judge Judy or whoever the situation is.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Another thing I'll just add um what we found in the past, um, there's other providers like you know your Square and your PayPal. And so they just kind of set it to you via mail uh some come email like Adam mentioned this it's snail mail right and if 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 you don't respond it's an automatic loss so you you basically just gave away your product and you lost your money so you got you got hit twice and that's what we found by helping our merchants is we're just good old-fashioned servicing them as basically we're calling our clients and let them know we have a charge back here want to make sure you received it they'll confirm they have it and then we'll just offer our service again if you need us to submit it for you, let us know. Just make sure you submit it before this certain date to make sure that you're actually going to dispute this charge back. That way, you don't give this, you know, cardholder just an easy free win. And I've seen it numerous times. We actually had a, a customer that, you know, he's, this is the this is this is a telltale. Um, they called in. They wanted to buy a very expensive frame for a bike, a mountain bike, and it was like like six thousand dollars. And they said, "I need to have it to Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm in another state." I need it to Florida because I got to ship it overseas for a race and I need to have it like tomorrow. So I'll charge me whatever you want to charge me to have it overnight at ASAP. Right. Well, they ran the credit card, went through, they went through all the hoops, they shipped it out. And once it hit that Florida and then it went out across the country overseas, it was bye-bye. The chargeback came right through. And they lost it right off the bat. You know, it's like, these are some of the the, the warning signs you want to watch out. Triggers like, I need it right away. Mm-hmm. No one ever needs it right away, right? If you do, you go to your store down the street, you pick it up. I'm not the only person that carries these like this product, right? Unless I'm like Christie's or something, he's auctioned, some, this one other item and those clients already vetted out. They are, they're guaranteed money, right? But for that part, those are key triggers. When they're in a rush and they say, I need to have it now and I'll pay what, ever it takes to get it to me and i'll pay a premium because i want it not what one the first thing i say is do not run that transaction you can hold the product wait for the money to be good just give it some time hold it Mm -hmm. you know and and we will help our clients hold that definitely and we tell them to wait
0: well paul you went along and said a dirty six six letter word there when you were talking there PayPal has something that's a little, that we were, we talked about in the first podcast, which is a little different than chargebacks because if they get pissed off at you because they think that you're selling something against their community standards. They can, they just go along and start yanking money back and letting you uh, prove it, which is a, a different kind of chargeback, I guess you could yeah. say, because that's on the issuer, or on the processor side of things. You know, Yep. Is there any way to go along and uh, fight those kind of charges? Somebody goes along and says, hey. Get you're... away from PayPal. Well, That's, I agree. Yeah. But... <laughs> leave
1: PayPal. Leave, leave Square. I mean, you know, like, honestly, speaking for the 2A community, you should not be on their platforms at all. Well, you, you, <laughs> That's, you technically aren't even allowed
2: to. I mean, in their, on their, um, you know, their list of. Uh, terms of service
0: there they've got. Yep. Right. Yeah.
2: It's. Uh, it's yeah, I mean those guys can take or shut down or do what they want when they want with with no heads up whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and I've known places that have gotten um, shut down on pa- PayPal simply because they were selling inert ammo. Now, as a trainer, you would go along and encourage your students to go along, and practice all day long with inert ammo, cause it's safe. It doesn't fire. You can, you know, use it safely, uh, in, in your house, all those different kinds of things. But PayPal got one, uh, one, one sniff that of the word ammo and they didn't go any further. And they shut down the whole thing, which was uh, a major crisis for, because it, it wasn't one charge. It was all their charges that had been piling up, which, um yeah you can think about it we're talking about one you know maybe one or two transactions a month you know if you get any chargebacks think about if all of a sudden your transactions from the last uh you know seven days all of a sudden got locked up in a escrow that hurts
1: no uh, we see it rob we see it all the time yep. we see it all the time we board merchants from these situations all the time and the one thing is when's the last time you actually spoke to somebody at PayPal or square how do you communicate with them it's all email and it's the algorithms, right? They're using basically automated systems, and so they're just AI watching. One thing clicks, that it just diverts, moves over, and continues. Good luck trying to get your money back. They will hold you there, and you got to keep waiting, keep emailing, keep emailing, and, and that's what really sets us apart. You know, we're real people, and uh, we're here to answer the calls, and we we vet everything and, and make sure that you know if our underwriters see some, we'll double check and make sure it's good and. There's there's no issues from the two way community from any community really you know we, we we can pretty much board almost everything on the marketplace without you know violating like child pornography we don't take none of that like that's like totally banned right but you know we, we can board almost everything out there
0: mm-hmm. yeah well it's uh, definitely one of those things where um, I know a couple instructors uh, large instructors that uh, gotten hit by PayPal before and they gave them all the information i'm teaching classes not selling stuff and i know that they're yep. still out the money uh years later for because paypal just decided not to respond
1: yep yeah well I, we would love to work with all your buddies rob <laughs> and help them all out yeah. you know and that's you know that's that would be a, a dream and get them into a better position where we care about yeah. our customers i, you I
0: definitely would um know encourage everybody to take a look at leak data solutions from the standpoint of is you know looking at the service looking at what you need uh from a from an instructor or ffl or whatever type of business you're running and then trying to figure out you know what kind of uh companies do you want to support for it because uh you know paypal is big you know they're they're you know the big uh grill in the room but at the same time uh everybody else can take um you know, credit cards also. So you don't have to use, uh, PayPal credit card processing, get yourself wrapped up there because, uh, ask around in the 2A community. There's plenty of people that've got wrapped up into that. And some of them come out successful after they explain a few things and the other ones, uh, become very painful. Like I said, there's, uh, instructors I know that have not gotten thousands of dollars back because they didn't answer, or guess the question properly. And the AI did not, uh, like it and they put them on the, on the naughty list.
1: Yeah, no, it hurts. It hurts. I can't. Any dollar missing hurts.
0: Definitely. Uh-
1: you know, and the other thing is for your, like for your 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 listeners, they can always reach out to us and just use it as a screenboard and ask us questions. We have no problem helping out. You know, just as an assistant to give them any proper you know questions they have, we can answer them for them and and got them as best as we can in certain situations. Mm-hmm.
0: Here's a question uh, I have for Graham about it. And this is kind of curious when you're looking at all the different kinds of credit cards, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, is one better than the other as far as when it comes to disputes from a merchant standpoint, obviously.
3: It's harder to win a dispute with American Express than it is with the others. American Express has their own process. It's isolated. So you'll go through the normal things, but then everything goes off to American Express where it's hard to see And hard to work with them they're a lot a lot slower to respond than the visa mastercard brands are
0: so would that would that be a red flag potentially if somebody came in and said i want to get that you know three thousand dollars cicado and here's my american express card what do you think if they needed it right then and there and wanted you know
3: also needed it shipped somewhere sure otherwise if they're (laughs) in person and you know them um i I tend to use my Amex sometimes if I don't trust the place and I want to make sure they're not going to run my card, I'm sure I would trust anyone that you know. I I trust you now. We've Mm -hmm. met. We just met now, but I I trust you. I trust anyone (laughs) you'd recommend to me. I would use my Visa card there instead of my Amex, but I use my Amex a lot in situations where I don't know what I'm going to be getting into because I get the notices on my phone so I can see it. But if I'm a business owner, uh, there has always been a stigma against American Express because of cost and you can add another one on there because they're slow on uh, dispute resolution
0: mm-hmm. and do they n- normally uh rule in favor of the uh of the c- consumer on those
3: they they do a lot of flip-flopping
0: uh so they will
3: you initially file your paperwork and they'll go ahead and start the reversal process and so they like to tease you they'll start the reversal it looks like you're going to win and then what usually happens even on a reversal they'll go ahead and change their mind oh we this we're not going to reverse this after all. They're the they're the biggest teases for sure. I as, I wouldn't say that you're necessarily going to lose more often. You're just going to be waiting there um, a lot longer, and you'll be sitting on the edge of your seat more often. Because in the end, it's the the charge of a process you're going to win or lose based on the merit of your case, the same way you would across any card brand. But on Amex, there's a lot more um, suspense.
0: Good to know. You'd think credit cards are all the same, but um, when you were talking about that, it just popped in my head about the different credit cards, whether or not one's uh, better for a merchant or not. Or because I think, you know, even some merchants that, that I've seen, I don't recall exactly who they were. They, they wouldn't take American Express. And I always heard it was the cost uh, kind of factor yep. for it. And, you know, got to respect that. American Express is a little costlier, costlier for the merchant.
3: It can be that um, it's not as bad as it used to be. If you go through someone like us, we have access to use to run MX cards directly. And so it goes through a different set of pricing than if you're going direct to American Express, uh, direct to American Express usually is still the highest. Um, we used to, I used to personally work with an MX rep, he would try to finagle things for me so I can get lower costs. But more often than not, they'd end up on the higher side. And he's no longer in the business because we were able to start doing our own MX transactions.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Final word, Graham. How, how do you, uh, what's your suggestion for 2A, uh, instructors, FFLs and, uh, places to avoid, uh, chargebacks?
3: Uh, it really comes down to knowing who your customers are, knowing who your clients are and uh, putting you do have to put some faith in them. That they're going to do the right thing, but also make sure that you're prepared with someone on the processing side who can help back you up. If something were to go wrong, uh, Square and PayPal aren't going to be there for you. They're just an email. Find someone who's a person. I'd say that we're up. Uh, use us because I like us and I know us. But certainly there are other companies that are people as well. Just, you know, we're better people. So in the end. <laughs> know who they are but have someone who's going to be in your corner
0: well you, you, I, th- I put a lot of credit in what you guys do because you're 2a advocates you're you're shooters your things things along those lines just like us and as we've seen uh too many times there are some uh People in the industry, especially in the financial industry, that like to go along and make carte blanche uh, decisions, and that yeah. has a rippling effect, especially if you're a small business and don't have an IT staff that can quickly switch you over to a new processor. If you aren't you know, big enough to be able to go along and have an admin staff to go along and work, work through all the chargebacks or work through all the questions, do all those types of things. And at the same time, when you look at it from a cash flow perspective, that really, really hurts small businesses because normally you don't have you know, 180 days of cash sitting in the bank just waiting for you to right. you know spend on payroll until the the chargebacks come for sure so definitely but hey adam this question goes to you what would you where would you recommend for uh 2a people in the united states to go see and experience what's a good location so
2: i you know i was thinking i'm a deep thinker rob and maybe i didn't know i, I maybe i overthought this one but i think with the 2a community or even people who aren't two-way friendly. There's misinterpretations of what the the what it's really about. Um I went to a place as a kid called the Museum of Tolerance. Uh it was called it's a Holocaust museum. And there was a lot of people who lost their lives because they couldn't fight back because they didn't have the the right that we have. So that's a place I would go to to really, really think hard about the fact that we are you know lucky in this this country that we're able to you know the right to bear arms because those people didn't and uh six million people died because of that so i don't know if that's the right answer for you, but that's what came to mind for
0: me, man. No, that that's exactly kind of answer looking for, because, you know, we've had guests on talking about, you know, place, civil war, revolutionary war training places. But at the same time, I think that's also one of those very um, thoughtful locations that if you go there and really think about it, um, you know, why could they get everybody Nazis get everybody loaded onto the trains? Well, because they couldn't fight back. Nazis right. had the guns they and, yep. you know, People go along and say things like that couldn't happen here in the United States. And I sure hope it can never happen. But at the same time, what what did it take? It just took one person to go along, energize a segment of the population. And all of a sudden, they started changing rules to where I'm the only one with a gun and you've got to give up all yours. And then look what happened a couple of years later. Yep. Um, and it's not, it's not going to look like that whenever it happens again. It's one of those things where you got to keep. Keep your eyes open and realize you know, freedom can be very fleeting if you're not willing to go along and stand up and say, wait a minute, this might sound good, but it's taken away my freedom. Yes, sir. So that's great. Well, where can we find more information about our listeners who want to go along and contact you, Adam, and such for information on leaked data systems? Yes. Elite version System, sorry. There
2: you go. A few (laughs) spots. Um, My email is my first name, so Adam, and then the letter Y as in young, and that's at EliteDataCorp.com. We got our new Dallas, Texas number at 972-532-0708, and then uh, anyone can ask for myself. And then uh, we do have our website, which is EliteDataCorp.com. Check us out.
0: Yes, I know a few people have already uh, called you, uh, yeah, listeners yeah. have and such, and that's really good to hear that you're able to uh, help out those those listeners for it and uh, encourage other listeners to check things out and see what it looks like for your business.
2: Absolutely. We appreciate you uh, so, being an advocate for us. You know, it's been amazing. So we hope to uh, keep this ball rolling for sure.
0: Sounds good. And I think uh, we might come up with some other topics about credit cards because firearms are, are great. You know put the site front sights on the targets and press the trigger but at the same time you've got to be able to do the financial side of things and that's uh, one of those critical pieces with with credit cards they're not going away so we've got to figure out how to go along and properly protect ourselves so that we don't get into financial harm we're staying away from physical harm but want to stay away from financial harm at the same time sure. gentlemen I appreciate your time today, and uh, hopefully our listeners really got a lot out of this because I know I did. I took a bunch of uh, various notes for how I'm going to be processing credit cards.
1: Thank you, Rob. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for your time. Have
0: a good time, everybody. We'll see you. Stay safe. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.
0: That's a wrap for this episode. And as much as I hope none of us ever have chargebacks on credit cards, you've got to be aware of those situations and be prepared for it just in case to have the best likelihood that you'll come out in favor of any decision for it. And I hope you'll share this with your other 2A friends that might need a credit card processor, might be having some chargeback issues, and they can be helped by this. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or have somebody you'd like me to talk to about a topic? Email me your suggestions at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And don't forget the other Concealed Carry Network podcasts. You've got the original concealedcarry.com with Riley Bowman, and you also have the On-Duty, Off-Duty podcast with Brian Eastridge, both of which have excellent information, comes out every week. Also, don't forget about the Guardian Conference on September 15th through the 17th. We have a link in our show notes if you'd like to go there and find out more information for it. You can also let us know how you like the podcast by going to our website, farmtrainerpodcast.com, and, and comment on the issues or go to our Facebook page. We respond to all comments in a timely manner for it because we appreciate our listeners. Also, visit our sponsors, Farm Trainers Association. Been with us for four years now, and they are at FTA Protect and are the premier instructor insurance in the industry. Remember, spend all that time getting trained, establishing your business, getting those first customers. Make sure you've got coverage for from FTA. And by using code FTP10 at checkout, you'll get 10% off on your policy. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the second amendment and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone.
3: Concealed Carry, Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek
1: local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.